classic with the man who put it all together. He's one of the most influential comedians in the world. A man who's been called the merchant of mirth in the Middle East. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bob Hope. Thank you, Lou. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob Get That Ball Out of My Fairway Hope, welcoming you to the annual Desert Classic this year at Rubal Cali. The only golf course in the world where the golfers yell, cease fire instead of four. <laughs> no, I love it here at Rubel Cali. And what's so special to me, Lou, about winning that award was that it was for making a lot of young American oil executives and technicians laugh while they're doing a tough and dirty job here in the Middle East. I really think they're marvelous. Well, Bob, you've got quite a star-studded lineup of celebrities here today. Yes, we do, Lou, and I'll be catching you later on during the game. You know, well, they're all great kids, and we're all looking forward to seeing them on the show. We got Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat. They'll be here. And Golda Meir and Yasser Arafat decided to do the show, and I know we're all glad they did. And King Elmir Faoud swung down to do the show. I love that cat, ladies and gentlemen. I really do. And also on the show, we got Lola Heatherton. Now, she's something the Saudis weren't quite ready for. There were a few blowouts on oil wells when she hit the green today, I want to tell you. No, but I love the women here in Saudi Arabia, ladies and gentlemen. They don't vote, they don't drive cars, and you can marry as many of them as you want. And you know, the people around here call King Elmir Faoud the father of their country, and they're not kidding. everybody and welcome to the Nightfly podcast with me Dave Juskow the 25th of February 2020 final February podcast thank God February blows everybody knows it and uh, we'll get into March where we'll get to some really serious stuff but uh, I am having a very rough week and I don't know how long I can um, do the podcast for but I figure you know we got to put it out because we do it every week and uh I will explain all of that, uh, well, right now. Let's just turn this off and get down to business. I will uh, tell you exactly what is going on with me because it is quite fascinating. I mean, if you're in this uh, nightfly world we live in. Uh, first of all, before I begin, let's talk about last week's show, which was really good. I can't tell you how happy I was that people uh, uh, wrote out and, and called or, or texted or tweeted how much they enjoyed last week's show with Michael Riedel who turned out to be a wonderful guest. I mean, I, I was assuming he would, but I wasn't sure how everybody else would feel about it. You know, I mean, I like talking about theater and musical theater and theater in general, but I was fortunate that I found a guy who liked to not just talk about theater, but he liked to talk about James Bond, like talk about Columbo and TV shows. So, I mean, I really met my match when it came to Michael Riedel, and even though we talked for two hours and 20 minutes, people seemed to really enjoy the show, which made me very happy, and... Uh, you know, in listening back, I listened to the whole thing, and uh, you know, I was like, you know, a lot of times I'll listen back to a show, especially where I've done like a you know quote interview, because my interviewing skills aren't terrific. It's hard for me to keep my mouth shut, uh, especially if I've had coffee. 
And uh, yeah, I didn't cringe that much when I heard the show. Um, I, I thought uh, I thought the show flowed, and he was a really interesting guest, really interesting, and had lots of good stories. And you know, I mean, how many people do you meet that have uh, a good fixing Alan Rickman's air conditioning story? That's going to be very rare. Or and and a certainly sitting down and having dinner with Roger Moore. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's like the best because. I love Roger Moore, and everybody knows it, and uh, that's just so cool, and and that we find out that Roger Moore was as good as we wanted him to be. Sometimes our celebrities are the people that we like, especially, again, with this particular podcast, the people that we worship, the, the people from SCTV, and, you know, and, and somebody like Roger Moore and stuff, and when you find out uh, good things about them, that they are cool, and they're really funny in person, it's... Uh, very uplifting to know because that's what you want to know. You just don't want your heroes to be sucky, you know, which of course is why I believe it's Woody Allen who said, you know, it sucks meeting your heroes. It can go very bad. And of course the classic example is uh, when Woody got to meet Groucho, which, you know, of course Gilbert Godfrey does that amazing imitation of Groucho in the later years. And Dick Cavett talks about it all the time. You know, he just met him and he was old and he's like, Groucho, I understand you've been fishing. Yes, it sounds fishy to me. I mean, you know, that's that's the problem sometimes in meeting your heroes. They're not what you expected. But fortunately, in um, in our world, we've found so far that um, everybody's pretty cool. And I continue that theme with next week's podcast, which is, I don't know, maybe even better or on the same level, just in a different way where we, uh, Richard Klein, Larry from Three's Company, finally joins us, my good friend, and, and definitely a hero, an absolute hero, and I explain it next week on the podcast. I mean, you know, you try not to gush, but you also want to explain to, you know, your guests that mean a lot to you how much they do mean to you, and, you know, somebody like him who really does mean a lot, not just to me, but a lot of my friends and the people that started in comedy when I did, uh, you know, I got to tell him how much he does mean to me and, and how important he was in my life and just what a wonderful guy he is and how much fun and nice he is. And you will hear that next week, next week's podcast, Richard Klein here on the show, Larry from Three's Company and lots more. And, uh, you know, we play some of his old early commercials and stuff. And he was I think he was very happy and had a really good time. And he's just a real pleasure to be around and I, I really hope you're going to like it because um, I think it was one of my favorite podcasts to do. I just, again, felt like it flowed and we had a good time. You know, I get nervous because I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I'm making fun of them or anything like that. You know, as a matter of fact, as long as we're talking about it, um, I've been upset lately because, you know, during the, you know, with, 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 uh, turbocharge and everything, you know, the movie I made about the cars, you know, I got a bunch of new listeners from these, uh, wonderful people, uh, Dave Curry and Donna Neal. And, um, you know, they, they, the ones that, you know, got us to put the movie actually out on Amazon where, uh, people can watch it. And, uh, now, uh, our relationship is strained because, uh, you know, I guess I did something foolish. I mean, I definitely did something dicky and Dave Juskow way, but it's not like, 
you know, I come on the show and I'm a saint. I mean, I have a lot of fights with people. People get very mad at me for a year when they hear me talking about it on the podcast. I mean, this is what I do. This is what I get. And you choose to either like the podcast this way or not. And I guess you hope that it doesn't happen to you. But in this particular case, one of the nicest people I've ever met, uh, this uh, Donna, doesn't, you know, chooses not to talk to me anymore. Uh, can I blame her in certain ways? Of course not. Um, and uh, the problem was is that uh, Memo, my good friend Memo and I did uh, their podcast. It's called Night Thoughts, and they asked us to come on and talk about the movie. And what happened was, um, you know, we had to do it on a day I really, really didn't want to do it on, but it was just a day everybody could come together, and it was the Saturday before the Super Bowl. And we did it at 11 a.m. in the morning, which means Memo had to – you know, come all the way from Queens on his bicycle here at 11. And we also had Scotty coming in the next day or that day at one thirty. So, you know, we just had a lot going on. And uh, I don't, you know, I have um, an Android phone and I don't have FaceTime and I don't Skype. So when we decided we were going to use Skype to talk because Dave Curry is in Chicago and Donna Neal is in Idaho and, you know, Memo and I are in New York, you know, we decided we would use Skype, and that's the way they would do their show. Now, it was never said that we were going to be on video, but once I was able to see Dave, it was so exciting that we were all looking at each other on video, and it's something I don't normally get to do. Uh, Donna would not come on on video. She said because where she was, it was 8 o'clock in the morning, and she wasn't ready. And I was like, well, I, you know, come on. This is ridiculous. Well, then we can all look at each other. And besides, when you're doing a podcast – you definitely want to look at each other. I mean, I know people do phone interviews all the time, but there is a certain uh, thing to, you know, looking at somebody when you're talking to them because you can pause when you know they're about to say something or whatever it is and you read their reactions and it makes for a different show. So I was so excited that because I this is something I never get to do, that the three of us were going to be able to talk and look at each other at the same time. But Donna would not come on because she hadn't showered or whatever the case may be. Now, I was a dick about it. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. I was a complete dick about it. And I was like, well, I was just clamming up. And Memo knows me so well. He knows this is what I do. And he's nothing like that. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything until she comes on. So, you know, you can just cut this part out or whatever the case may be. But they didn't cut it out. And they kept it going. So now I'm a major dick. And in the, the cars world and the night darts world, I'm a major dick. I got some very nasty, uh, you know, uh, Facebook things from people like, you're a dick. Look what you did to this poor girl. And they were so nice to you. Now, that's a complete fact. But there's a flip side to that coin, a very big flip side that nobody seems to uh, seem to think of. And could I write it back in that thing? Maybe I could. But I'm going to tell you right now, here's the flip side to that coin. I'm a guest on their show. I'm a guest on their show. I'm doing them technically a favor, and I'm not saying this because I love them very much, but I'm saying I'm doing them a favor by getting up early. Memo is doing them a ridiculous favor by riding over the Queensboro Bridge on his bicycle, and he's got a kid and everything, and he's coming across the bridge on his bike so he can be here at 11 a.m. and then do another podcast at 1.30 p.m., and, I mean, he really went out of his way. But we were here and together at 11 o'clock, and you know, we, so we were doing a favor for them by putting us all together in one place and going out of our way to be on their show. So if all I ask is that Donna could press one button so we could see her on video as a guest of the show, 
I should really get whatever I want. I am a guest on their show. When I have a guest on my show, case in point, Michael Riedel and Richard Klein, we went down to the Comedy Cellar. We just happened to do these particular shows at the Comedy Cellar. Michael Riedel was here. He had, you know, we just kept filling his wine glass. If he wanted to eat later, he was welcome to a meal. He had to go. Richard Klein and I had dinner afterwards. I provide dinner for my guests. I provide transportation. I certainly provide coffee and drinks. But we usually, I usually take all of my podcast guests out to dinner or I will pay for their transportation because that is what I feel you do to a guest who is kind enough to come on your show. That's the payback you get since nobody's getting paid. And I feel as a guest of somebody else's show, I should at the very least be able to see Donna talking to us while we're talking. So if you want to think that I'm a major dick about this because, you know, I just shut up until she came out. I really just wanted to shut the whole thing off and say, I don't want to do it. But then I just come, you know, Memo still wanted to talk. I really just didn't want to have anything to do with it until she just pressed the button. And, you know, I don't care whether she shower, put on a baseball cap. I don't care. You know, and if she wants to say, like, give me 20 minutes and do it, which she did, that's fine. But I'm a guest. So technically, I should get whatever I want. This one small thing. Just press the one button so we can see what you look like on the video and we can all talk to each other. That's the way you could look at it, too. That is the flip side to that me being a major tool, apparently, which, yes, we all know I am. And that's the way I am. If I don't get my way, I'm upset. But you're also not thinking of the fact that I was a guest on their show and we did a lot to do. We made Scotty come in on a Saturday because we were doing it on a Saturday. I didn't want to do it on Super Bowls the Saturday before the Super Bowl. They knew that. I went out of my way to be a guest on that show. I felt they could have gone one tiny bit out of their way to also supplement my needs as a guest on somebody else's podcast. And there it is. Uh, that all being said, I still do, and you can hear it. I mean, obviously, you know, you didn't want to listen to the beginning of the show. If you listen to the end, you could. Uh, I did say how much I appreciate their friendship and how I think of them as real friends. And now I'm going to feel bad about this. And I got to say, it makes me feel bad every day. I've tried to call Donna. She doesn't want to take my calls. That's fine. I go through this a hundred times with everybody in my life. You know, at least once. I mean, I don't think I've had one best friend in my life that I didn't talk to for at least a year or two. I mean, I am talking about definitely Atel, definitely Sarah Silverman, uh, Rachel. I mean, the list is endless of the people that don't talk to me sometimes for six months to a year because I've done something completely dicky. They all do end up forgiving me because I think they know, as Memo knows, in the back of my mind, I'm, I really feel bad about that kind of stuff. But again, you do have to look at it the other way as well. If your guest is saying, can you please, you know, can we please all be on video? I think you should accommodate that person as I do. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't make any money on this show, and yet I still take my guests out for dinner. Everybody knows I don't have any money anymore. I haven't worked in almost a year. But yet, you know, you still got to take care of the people that take care of you. And that's the way it is. Uh, I don't hold any ill will towards uh, Dave Curry or Donna, but uh, at all, uh, I still think they're great people, and it uh, bothers me every day that they uh, choose not to be friends anymore. I don't think David feels that way, but I guess Donna does, and that's too bad. But um, you know, I'm I'm still uh, all in on the Cars community and the Night Thoughts podcast, and we know that they're lovely people. But uh, you know, some of you should also. Uh, listen to the other side if you know there is always two sides to each story yes i was a dick 
absolutely. But there are two sides to that story. If she's going to be a professional, uh, you know, person and have these people on and stuff, you should at least be like, well, yeah, okay, I'll do that because that's what my guest says. I'm sorry, that's the way I feel because that's how strongly I like to treat my guests. Thank you. Wasn't sure if I was going to mention it, but since we were on the topic, I did. And it really has been bugging me now. Uh, getting that out of the way, uh, I don't know how much longer I can do the show only because, all right, here it is. I'll tell you about Louis, but let me, let's just get to this. So as you know, when I left you off in the cliffhanger two weeks ago, I told you about, you know, all right, we all know I spent $15,000 on, you know, hair. Why a 55-year-old man needs to uh, have new hair, nobody knows, who knows, whatever. Uh, most of the people, again, that know me, Memo knows, Rachel knows, Rachel Feinstein, they know my mother, my sister, it's always been about looks. It's always been about looks. I mean, we know we suck. We know we're not attractive people. Our parents have told us this since we were little kids. So it's always come to some sort of glamour. My mother has been horrible on my sister and her mother on her, I mean, it's just we're, we're a family of very ugly people, and our parents have always let us know. Uh, I think my sister tries not to do that to her kids, but I don't think she can help it, and uh, I'm certainly the same way. And this is just the way we are, and there's nothing we can do about it. So, you know, I have my nose done and my chin done and now my hair done, right? But the $15,000, fucking thousand dollars that, you know, nobody should be doing that's in my financial position did, but I did it. It didn't work, as we know. As we now know, it did not work. And as you all know, if you listen to this podcast, I went to this guy and I said, listen, you quack. You know, he sits down there a year after when it's supposed to be perfect. And he goes, I think it looked good. And I'm like, you're out of your goddamn mind, you quack. And, you know, we've already told you about this already. So he says, I'll do it for free. Now, you all, you all know this part already. So then... It, it was supposed to be in February. February, we'll make a date and we'll do it again. Now, I'm saying to myself, February, 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 February is coming. All I'm thinking is February. Oh, my God, I got to go through this process again. I got to go through this process. You got to be kidding me. I mean, not only, you know, is it embarrassing because you got all these red marks and it's hard, and blah, 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 but you got the staples in the back of your head, the staples. You can't sleep. There's fucking 86 staples in the back of your head. They're crashing into your brain. Remember, it was horrible. So then I'm writing to this nurse there or wherever she is, and I go, um, listen, I, I don't know. You know, I know we were supposed to do this. I, I don't know how I feel. She's like, how's February 27th? I told you last time, February 27th, maybe the day. And then I kept writing her. I'm like, look, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I just don't know how I feel about this. Is it possible to get half my money back? Because I just, I don't know if I can go through this again. I don't know if I can go through this again. It was very painful. It's... You know, you're taking – now I got two scars or, you know, I would get two and then and then whatever. And it's just so painful. I don't know whether I can handle the process again. I just I, – I just – I don't know. Um, and I'm like, let me think about – you know, or would he again be interested in giving me half my money back? And they wrote back on Friday before President's Day. How about 4800 bucks? The doctor has said he'll give you $4,800 back. So on President's Day, I, call, you know, I thought about it. I didn't tell anybody. On President's Day, Monday, which I knew they weren't there, I 
told, I wrote them back knowing they'd get the message on Tuesday. I said, hey, listen, uh, let me think about this. I'll give you an answer tomorrow. Knowing they'd see it Tuesday, I'll give them an answer on Wednesday. So I called on Monday, President's Day, I called five people. I called my sister first. She goes, take the money. But then she thought about it. Everybody knows my, everybody I called, I called, I can take exactly what I called. My sister, my mother, Rachel Feinstein, Marina Franklin, and Joe Messina. I called five people who are very familiar with my financial situation, which is zero. And, and $5,000 will be a very big help. That's a month's rent. And I called all five of those people. They know my situation. They know about the hair. They know everything. And not one of them basically said what my sister said spur of the moment, but then thought about it. Everybody was like, you know what? I don't know what to tell you. Everyone said, huh? I don't know because this doctor was so brilliant. $4,800 was the perfect amount to, to, to the exact, this guy's a genius, maybe not with hair. But with being Jewy or whatever you would, this you know, uh, manipulative, forty eight hundred dollars was the exact right amount to put out there. Where you say, is that enough to not finish what you started? And you have to say, God damn it! Every day, because this is what was happening. Every day, I look at myself. I say, Oh my God, this! I pay ten thousand dollars. I'm miserable every time I get out of the shower. So it was very clear. I think I was going to have to go for it all and do it again. And on Wednesday morning, I got up around 10 o'clock and I said, I'm going to go. I'm I'm not going to call them yet. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee because that'll help me think. It's really amazing how that coffee, you know, gets you. Okay. All right. All right. Now we can get this going. You know, I got a cup of coffee. 10 minutes later, I call them. I'm going to call them. I say, you know what? Let's do the 27th. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. And the lady says, we don't have the 27th available anymore. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Because the other date she was giving me, it just wasn't working. It wasn't working. Everything was just, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Because then, then I got my shows coming up on March 9th and the 12th. And I'm like, oh, no, now what do I? I had it the 27th, 27th. It was in my head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it even though I got something to do the 26th. I'm going to, uh, whatever. So she goes, what about tomorrow? And I go, tomorrow? That's insane. But yes, let's do tomorrow. Let's just do it. Let's do this. Yes, let's do tomorrow. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's do it tomorrow. I don't think about anything. That's a great idea. She's, she's like, why is he still talking? I don't know. You know. She doesn't care, but I'm like, that's a great, yes, let's do it tomorrow. You know, can I color my hair today so I can get it color, you know, for the month? Because, you know, you can't color for my, she's like, yeah, sure, color your hair, whatever, whatever. And I, was, and I did it. I did it on Thursday. Today's, Tuesday, today's Monday. I tape it on Monday. It comes on Tuesday. I did it Thursday. I did it. I got there at 7 in the morning. I fucking did it. I did it. I did the second goddamn procedure. I just went for it. And I said, hey, doc, you know, and it's so embarrassing. There's like eight hot girls there and the doctor. And I'm like, listen, you feel like an idiot anyway. Everybody knows why you're there. Meanwhile, when I colored my hair, it looked amazing because it looked so much fuller. I felt like a dick going in there like it didn't work because it totally looks like it worked. Once you color it, it just looks fuller. But whatever, I said, can you put it on the sides? Can you put it on the sides? Because when I'm the profile, that's where I know I'm bald. 
That's where I notice I'm bald, the profile. He goes, we can't put it on the sides. That's It cuts into your donor hair. And I'm like, well, then you stink because that's what I need. But you can't do it. So I'm not even sure what I did. I took a picture of it today. It still looks like the back is a mess. But I guess when I look in the mirror, which is, I suppose, the only reason you're doing it, it should look good. And here's what I think happened. My belief is that when you get these hairs, apparently, you know, there's trauma to the head. People are poking holes in your fucking brain and you're hairful. It's trauma. It's, that's what they call it, trauma. I believe my original hair, all the original hair I had fell out as if I had like lupus or something, you know, like, I mean, it just fell out. And all the hair I have now is the new hair from the procedure. So if my new hair so far, because now, you know, if you see my hair, it, besides the redness on the scalp, it, it still doesn't look like last time where I was pretty much bald. There's a lot of hair there now. And then it's red. So I, it's definitely going to work this time if this is what I was looking for. What this guy doesn't understand is that I said, he's like, well, I want it to look natural. I'm like, no, I want it to look like a toupee. <laughs> Which, you know, he's like, what? Yeah, you heard me. What's the difference if it looks like a toupee if it's not actually a toupee? No, you can pull on it. It's okay. <laughs> I have to look like a goddamn toupee. It looks like that anyway when I'm out in the wind. Oh, this is so stupid. So it's just the only reason it's hard to do the show is because it's hard to keep my headphones on because they're on top of my head, which is still a little sore, uh, but it's not bothering the back of my neck, which is when I put a hat on, which really bothers me. I'm so glad I don't have to work and keep that hat on all the time. I can keep the hat on for a couple of hours. I've done some stuff, you know, having that for a couple of hours, but then I can't wait to take it off. It's very difficult to have a hat on. Uh, you know, with the staples in the back. That's the problem. And I have something going on uh, tonight and Wednesday, and I'm not sure what to wear. I mean, I have this hat I was wearing on Puppet Picks. You can see, if you look at Puppet Picks 18, you can see this white hat with the black strap that I was wearing that maybe I could pull off, but I don't know. In this kind of, like, Today, it's a nice day, but I heard it's supposed to rain. It's a weird kind of, like, if it was June, it would be good, but, I mean, I got to wear a hat. It looks too gross otherwise, but, you know, in 10 days, everything will be fine again. They'll take some of the staples out. I only got 56 this time, that 84, so that's something. But that's the only reason I wasn't sure if I could even – I woke up today. I'm like, oh, I got to do the podcast. This, this is a day I would normally not do the podcast because I'm just kind of resting up. I'm on steroids again, so I've been eating all this stuff. That's Remember, Joe, when I figured out that's why I was eating so much. I'm not even hungry. I don't even know what I'm doing. I probably don't even need to eat. I don't, I'm just using the steroids as an excuse. I don't know what's happening. But, oh, crap. So here we are again in this situation where I wait for my stupid head to heal. But the good news is by March 9th, which is my show at the Comedy Cellar, I should be able to be hat free. And, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, half the staples will be out and everything. And, and hopefully my head will look okay. If it doesn't, I'll put on a baseball cap and that'll be that. But March 9th. Right now, my next show at the Comedy Cellar, I got three people so far. Who is it? It's uh, Marina Franklin, uh, Dan Natterman, and Dave Landau. Remember, we made a big splash last time. That's the only three I have so far at the Cellar. Plus, remember, this is the Final Four group. I have three of the Final Four. I'm using this girl, Megan Ruth Friend from Long Island, who's just starting out. And then 
Olga's friend, Courtney Davis, who's been on the podcast before. We're giving her a chance, and she's so pretty. I don't know how she's going to do, but it should be fun. She's she's funny anyway, and she's so hot. Who's going to care? Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course, it's very sexist, but she I like her a lot, so I uh, want to give her a chance. And Olga's going to have to come, in, of course, in disguise uh, to the cellar because you know they hate her there for some God knows reason, all because of that one waitress. And uh, then I found this Indian kid. Um, I know his last name is Shankar, if you can believe it. Anita, something like that. And I saw him at this uh, show I did a couple Tuesdays ago at the West Side Comedy Club. And I'm like, this kid's terrific. Uh, it's an Indian kid. You know, I wanted a boy and an Indian kid is good. You know, you want to have a little diversity. It can't all be women. I know in this day and age, it should all be women, but that's too obvious. And there's this other girl I was going to use, but now I don't know. I think I'd like to get somebody... You know, a, a couple of people that are really good, and then you have two people that aren't as ready yet. You know, you want to you want to make it even. You know, like so. I'm just looking for one more person, and then I guess two more comics. Um, you know, but I got to figure. I, I just asked Colin Quinn to do it because I'd like somebody a little bit bigger to be on the show. So these people that don't usually perform at the cellar, you know, are like, "Oh, I'm on the show with such and such," and that's exciting. So you want it to be somebody that they're going to respect and be like, wow, I'm on the same show as this person. So then it's extra exciting for them. So maybe I'll even ask a tell. I don't know. But you know what a pain in the ass that is. Um, and then um, – but I've told him already, like, you know, I only need you once a year my birthday and, uh, you know, the, the Hanukkah podcast. But uh, we didn't do the Hanukkah podcast this year. So, you know, maybe I can ask them to do this. But it's not – you know, whatever. I don't want to bother them. So it's no big deal. Um and for March 12th, Thursday, March 12th at the West Side Comedy Club, which is becoming a good time, the Five Comics and Dave, uh, right now I have a DC Benny, who we all haven't seen in a long time, Dan Natterman again, and Olga Namer. So, so far, that's my uh, first three. Uh, I have to get two more comics for each show, and I'll work on that later, and that'll be that. So let's talk about a couple of things uh, that happened this week. Let's see how long I can, uh, you know, keep this up for. Because even like talking this much hurts my head. Even though we're three or four days in. Plus, you know, you gotta, I, I, I gotta, I gotta shower twice a day now. <laughs> I, you know, since I'm not working, sometimes I don't shower for days. I, this is horrible. I mean, I'm, I'm really clean, but I gotta shower. I, I have a beard now, and I've also I've been coloring my beard too. I'm, a, I'm such a mess. Uh, but you got to shampoo your head, but you got to do it carefully. You know, you got to squeeze some shampoo in with a sponge and you can't really rub it. Oh, it's such a to do. So I got to shampoo twice a day for 10 days. The first day, you got to do it three days. It's a nightmare. Uh, all for vanity. And for what reason? What am I doing? I'm not even auditioning for anything. Already. I mean, this is ridiculous. I have nothing going on. This is a, It's a disaster. But maybe everything will work itself out. Anyway. Uh, should I go on with that or something else? Let's. Which way should I? Which direction do I want to go today? Why don't. Um, no, I'll tell you about this and then we'll go to that. Okay. You don't know what I'm talking about, so I don't. I mean, technically, I should edit all this out if I did any editing. The Comedy Cellar Christmas party was on Monday, uh, President's Day. I know. Crazy, but a lot of restaurants have parties after. And it was funny because, you know, um, Liz was like, you know, you better, you better come, you better come. I was so, you know, excited. I was like, you know, normally the, the Christmas party comes like, hey, where are you? How come you're not at the Christmas party? I'm like, I, nobody told me about the Christmas party. 
But, uh, you know, everybody's like, are you going? Are you going? I'm like, yes, of course I'm going. So it starts at 10 o'clock at night on a Monday. No big deal for somebody who's not working. But still, you know, it's hard to get some places at 10 o'clock at night if you're already inside. So, you know, across the street from my house, they have this uh, the happy hour where you can eat, you know, the uh, dollar oysters, you know, until 9 o'clock at night. And, you know, I love going across the street and doing that. So my friend Michelle goes, hey, do you want to go to a dollar oyster tonight? I'm like, yeah, you know, I might as well go down there, have a couple of drinks, and then I'll go to the party. So I had two dozen oysters. <laughs> It was brilliant. Uh, three glasses of wine. I drink the rosé wine there, or whatever they call it. Uh, uh, that's the only place I drink rosé wine. They have a good bottle selection there. And uh, I don't know. It was enjoyable. And whatever. I guess I was a little loaded. Then I went downtown, and it was 9 o'clock. And the party had started, so I called my friend Keanu. And we went to the bar down by the cellar that I like. And I had a vodka tonic with the bitters. I wasn't enjoying it that much, so then I switched over to beer, and I drank, I think I drank, I think I drank beer the rest of the night, but then I went to the cellar at around 11.30, it was already 11.30, but I was like, who cares, I know I'm going to be there till 5 a.m., I walked in, everybody's like, where the hell have you been, and then I brought Kiana with me, too, because she, you know, she looked good, and, uh, and they're like, where have you been, and I'm like, it's only 11.30, I thought, but you know what I realized, we're all old. All the comics are old. Everybody's my age, so everybody kind of leaves early now. It's not like the old days where I'm thinking, I know I'm going to be there till 5 in the morning, but I like to hang out with the staff. So Rachel was already leaving, but she's pregnant, so that makes sense. But Marina was leaving, and Joe Maggie was leaving. Like, everybody was leaving, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just got here. Um, but it was still, you know, fun. We had a good time and, you know, uh, drank and drugs whatever it is uh, you know whatever i had a good time and i was there really till like five in the morning and then you know but who's there till five i mean i left at five in the morning and i think everybody's there until like eight in the morning because it's mostly you know it's for the staff but also the comics come and liz really decked it out she had gambling on the at the fat black pussycat upstairs you know with fake money but it was still fun we played craps for like an hour I mean steve fabrican and you know outside steve and and uh, they had lots to eat, a buffet, and, you know, drinks on the house at the bar. It was fun. I was having a good time, a really good time. I was really messed up but happy and uh, just talking to everybody and having a good time. And then, you know, there's a part where the staff is like, you know, Jessica, you're like the most real comic. You know, like you're like the most real guy. We could all hang out with you. And I was thinking to myself, well, this makes sense that they would say that about me because technically – I'm not a real comic. You know, I'm I'm like them. I'm kind of part of the staff. So it would make sense that we would that I would that they would get along with me more than anyone else because I'm not I'm I'm just, you know, one I'm on their I'm almost a staff member. I mean, I was almost going to be a manager there. So it would make sense that we would all I would get along more with the staff because it's like almost like work there as a staff member. Instead of a comic, you know, I'm only there once a month as a comic. And, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that doesn't really count. So it's just kind of funny. Um, I mean, I feel so. I mean, I love everybody there. You know, everybody makes me happy there. And I like being, you know, I like being a part of there. And if that isn't even more part of your seller family that I always tell you about, which is mostly I'm talking about the comics. But, yeah, I mean, I like the staff there, too. Everybody's really nice. And thank God they like me so far, you know, until I blow it but that's that's the good part about this situation is you can be a dick and they get it because they know that comics are dicks 
So it, it's not like the, uh, you know, Dave and Donna are like, what, this guy's such a dick. I, I don't understand. I'm like, well, this is the kind of people we are. We're, we're assholes. We're idiots. And uh, we're stupid. And we think things are funny or whatever. And we, we're babies. And we either get our way or we whine and, and mope and complain. So they're all used to that. So I'm actually better than the other comics who are worse than I am. You think I'm a prima donna? You should see some of these others that you know when they're sitting at the comics table and what they demand and what and how mad they get at the staff. Like, how could you not tell that guy to shut up or anything? You know, like that kind of stuff. So they're like, I am in my building to you know to the staff here. How could you let my mail go to ten C? <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was kind of funny. It makes sense. Anyway, I left at, like, 5 in the morning, and then I walked all the way home. I got home at 6. I just walked because I was, like, so messed up. I'm like, I need to sober up. So I walked all the way home. It was really far. It was not like I had anything to do the next day. Or did I? I don't even remember. Did I go to my mother's that day? No, I don't think so. No, I think, no, then I was hungover. Yeah, I was hungover. Yeah, it's been taking me. I, well, I can't tell. You know, it's been taking me. If I drink, it takes me a day. Now, you know, being older, but then I was like, you know, still, though, I would have gone to work that day as usual, but I was just hung over at work and couldn't do anything. So I guess it's the same thing, but now I just stay at my house. But that the night before uh, we went out for Russ Maneev's birthday to Wolfgang Steakhouse, where, of course, you know, is my favorite place. So Russ is like, where do you want to go? And I'm like, well, I'm always going to say Wolfgang's. If you ask me, I'm always going to say Wolfgang's. He's like, well, what about Carmine's? I'm like, that's fine, too. Whatever you want to do, it's your birthday. I just think Wolfgang's the best steakhouse. But we went to the one in Times Square, which isn't as good as the one, I think, on 54th and 3rd. But so the it was me, David Tell, Russ, of course, uh, Nick Griffin, and Artie, Artie Lang. So... Dave was kind of, you know, our, uh, Russ goes, I want to go to the Carmines in the 90s, but he's like, Dave doesn't want to go there. And I'm like, it, does he know it's your birthday? What does he care where we're going? Anyway, we went to Wolfgang's. And um, even though, and we were with Artie's manager too, but Artie, Artie was not, Artie, I mean, he looked great and every, and he's sober and it's great to see him, but you can see he's he's struggling. He's struggling with it. He, you know, he... Uh, you know, it's just a process. I think he's going to make it, but yeah, he's struggling. And you know, I, 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 you know, I know he loves Russ and Dave and me, so he came out. But um, you know, I, I think, I think he would have rather just stayed. He was just being polite and everything. And I, I don't know if he was having a good time. And this was the Russ was like, "How come you didn't have anything to drink?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, because Russ doesn't mind. He drinks." I'm like, "I just, I just felt bad. This is the one time I." I, I just I, I can't drink in front of him. I just feel horrible. I it just I don't know. It was just better not to. I didn't want to get wasted in front of Artie. It just doesn't seem right. Um, you know, with David Tell, I you know I didn't care, and we got wasted. That was a good time. But but it was it was fun. But these guys they just don't know how to order properly. They ordered spinach, not the cream spinach. The cream spinach is the key to everything. And they just ordered spinach, but they ordered so weird. But still. I mean, first of all, Attell, Nick, and Russ all had filet mignons. What? No. You go to Wolfgang's, you order the steak for four. What is it? The prime rib? No, it's not prime rib. I don't know what it is. Whatever they call it, it's the one that, you know, that you're supposed to get at a steakhouse like that where they just cut it up for you and they put it on your plate. Thank God 
me and Artie's manager and Artie wanted the the normal steak because it was delicious. God damn it. That's the one thing they get right every goddamn time. And none of the other steakhouses do. Ooh, I'm thinking about it. Now it is making me hungry. It was perfectly cooked. And I, oh, I got it right. I was sort of like, Jessica, you can do the ordering. So I ordered all this stuff. But boy, did I order right. I'm telling you, at least at Wolfgang's. And I told you before, this is true in Manhattan. If you want it medium rare, you order it medium. It was perfectly pink in the middle. It looked medium rare. You know what I'm saying? They they overcook it. Just they undercook it. You know, so you got to order it medium if you want it medium rare. At least at Wolfgang's for sure. I'm positive now. I'm not sure about the other places, but normally lately, if you want it medium rare, you got to ask for medium. Because if you get it medium rare, it is rare. And it's too rare. So I've been hitting pay dirt on that one lately. So everybody was very pleased about that. But then, you know, um, I don't know. You know, they're just always in a rush. And, you know, just, or, you know, the, the waiter's a moron. He said, I'm like, what I told you, know, did are you really paying attention to the order? Because they kept mixing up. I mean, I know it's hard because everybody keeps asking, oh, can I get another cup of coffee? Can I get another? Thing? But, I mean, that's what they do there, right? And then it's funny. I went into the bathroom later when we were done because finally me, Russ, and Dave were just hanging. Dave, you know, Dave and Art, they just keep going out to smoke. They just keep going out to smoke, which is so, you know, you can't really have a meal with people that smoke cigarettes. They're always leaving to smoke. They're not really enjoying themselves because they're only thinking about their next cigarette. It's such an addiction. But, you know, we're used to it, so it's no big deal. But, you know, we're just hanging out, having a good time. I'm certainly not in any rush. Rush is not in any rush. Nick had to go. He had to order right away. Like we sat down. I mean, this is what's so annoying. He had to order right away because he had a spot. I'm like, why'd you even come? It's so it's so frustrating. It's like, you know, either either don't come or do your spot or just don't order your order with every, I don't know. Or just say, I'm not getting anything because I got to go. I mean, then you got to rush. Everything's coming. And it's like, it just ruins though. It's the worst meals with the best people. It just wasn't as funny this time because you could see Artie was just not in his usual place where he's just so funny. I mean, he really is funny, whether he's sober or not sober. I mean, he's goddamn, he's really fucking funny. He's a really, really funny guy. And he's so sweet and so nice. And you just want things to go well for him. Anyway, uh, we're hanging out. So then the place was closing because, you know, Russ and I didn't want to leave because we were just having a good time talking. Normally we might have gone downtown, we might have got drinking, but now we're old. We just want to go home. And I went to the bathroom before I leave because I know I'm going to walk home because that's the whole, it's the only way I keep somewhat not fat. Um, I went to the bathroom and this guy's like, oh, were you sitting at the uh, the five top, or the six top, whatever? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess I knew what he was talking about, I guess. And we're washing our hands together and he's like, I can't believe, you know, those waiters, they were such idiots. And I'm like, our waiters, yeah, they were morons. They didn't know. He goes, yeah, they didn't even know who who was at your table. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. Isn't that, like he was he was saying... He knew that it was a tell and Artie at the table, and he couldn't believe his the other guys that were taking the table didn't know who they were, and he was so jealous because he was such a huge fan. And I'm like, I know. Isn't that funny? Isn't it cool? Those guys had no idea. Uh, isn't it the best? And it was just so funny. He was like so – he was so uh, – you know, it's funny when they do – because I didn't even know how you would notice a tell. He's always wearing a hoodie, and he just looks like a homeless person. But, yeah, I guess if you are a huge fan, you're going to know, and you're certainly going to know Artie. 
So he was upset he didn't get that table, but it's probably best because then Attell gets annoyed and stuff like that. Even though, does he get annoyed? Because then he sits out on the stoops at the Comedy Cellar all the time just waiting to get, not waiting to get noticed, but he sits outside all the time. People are going to notice him. Can't get mad if you're going to sit outside. If you're really going to get mad, then sit inside or go home. So it's very confusing. Anyway, that doesn't matter. We all had a good time, and that was the whole thing. But um, it drives me crazy when people don't know how to order properly. Or again, they don't know how to order the way I like to order. I mean, me and Lee Maracas and his wife, we have it down to a science. So that's the thing. So if you do it any other way, if I don't get my way, I get very upset. So believe me, you think it's not just Dave and Don. It's like, this is what I do. Memo knows. That's why he just goes with the flow. You guys got to get with the program. You either listen to this podcast, you know how I am, or you don't. You can't be mad at me. I'm an idiot. Donna, you're going to have to forgive me. I have called and apologized. It is bothering me that you don't like me anymore. If that's any consolation. Um, okay, here's what I'm going to... Okay, so... Yesterday, so I've had people come over because they know I really don't want to go out, you know, and they know about my hair situation. So my friend Elon came over, who I was also mad at last week. I wasn't talking to him because he canceled on a show and he did somebody else's show. And I'm like, you know, I've done so much for this guy. And um, and then he canceled on me. And I was like really upset. But now we're best friends again. And I I knew we would be um, because he's awesome. And he's a really nice guy, and I like him, and I like his wife so much, and I knew this would happen. But what I'm trying to tell you is that I just I get into fights with everybody. This is the way I am. So the fact that Elon and I got into our first fight, that means we're going to be friends forever. So it's beautiful. And he really is such a sweetheart. So he came over yesterday, and it was so nice. And he came over, and you know what? We, we watched 1917. We watched 1917, and um, it was pretty good. Do I think the question is... Now that I've seen 1917 and Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had no chance of becoming Best Picture of the Year. I'm talking about, if you're talking about, again, what you think should be Best Picture of the Year. We always have this conversation. What should be Best Picture of the Year? You know, The Godfather. Yes, of course. God damn. You know, when you look in the cycle of things, you know, the fact, again, the shape of water is always going to piss me off. You know, it it should be like, it, again, it, it should have been that Facebook movie. It should have been like, that's a perfect, you know, it's a time capsule thing. You know, that kind of thing. Could 1917 be the best picture of the year? Yes. It could have been. It's a different kind of war movie. It wasn't what I expected. It was very good. Um, I You could have probably cut out a half hour just walking around, which wouldn't have been okay. But goddamn, if you're really looking at it the way where you're like, wait a minute, is this really one shot? How do you even memorize these lines? And what if you mix up? You know, like, I mean, I don't know how that was filmed. And I think uh, we should all getting Sam Mendes on this show and having him explain how it was filmed would probably be one of the most fascinating podcasts of all time. Because if it's truly all one shot and those are in effect somehow, uh, wow. You know, if you go in looking at that, then you're like, this is unbelievable. So yeah, there is a lot of that that's quite fascinating. But I'm going to stick with Parasite being the correct choice. It really was something I've never seen before. 1917, it was, you know, it's a different way to tell a, a World War I story. It's good, it's interesting. But Parasite is something, I don't know, it was surprising and interesting. And I say once in a while, you, you make the move, like having Annie Hall be best picture, you know? I mean, 
once in a while you take a shot at something that just blows you away. And maybe it's not the norm and maybe it's weird because it's Korean or whatever. But I don't know. I'm going to stick by it. And Night 17 was very entertaining. I, I, I guess seeing it in the movies would be okay too. But just watching it on my TV, we had a really good time and uh, we both enjoyed it. Uh, I think he's seen both too. And I don't know how he feels about it, Elon, I'm talking about. But I'll tell you what Elon did do. So Chris Murphy came over the other day because uh, he'd been wanting to give me Christmas gifts that I never wanted to take with me or anything. And he, everybody knows I like these Cadbury chocolate bars from Great Britain. The Cadbury chocolate bars in Great Britain are way different than they are here. It's a huge difference. But you cannot get them. You cannot buy them online. You cannot, you cannot figure out a manipulative way to get these bars unless you're in London and someone brings them back. It's weird. You can't even get them on Amazon. Even if you get them on Amazon, it might say they're made in Britain, but it says Hershey's. So Chris Murphy, my good friend, went to a British store here in Manhattan where they sell all British stuff and bought the Cadbury bar, but on the back of the bar, it all Russian writing. And I'm like, this isn't right. I'm telling you, this is not right. So he tried it. It's okay. Meanwhile, Elon's wife, who wrote the uh, the picture for Turbocharge, the beautiful picture with me on the car, went to London to visit her sister and remembered to bring back the goddamn Cadbury chocolate bar. I couldn't even believe it. How nice is this? She remembered. I told her in passing on Super Bowl Sunday. And... So then I had both chocolate bars with me. We did the taste test and the chocolate bar from Bitten, which clearly has the seal, the British seal on it, you know, the Queen's seal and everything was 10 times better and a clear difference winner from the chocolate bar that Chris Murphy bought me, which was clearly made somewhere else. It's a complete noticeable difference. It's unbelievable. I don't know why, I don't know what the deal is, but thank you so much for bringing me this delicious bar. I now have to kind of throw out Chris Murphy's because it's just really, it's unfortunate. I mean, I feel bad. It's still good. But once you've had the actual British bar, there's a major difference. If you ever go to London and you like chocolate, you'll see what I'm talking about. You will see what is happening. And speaking of which... I went to my mother's on Saturday because I figured that's something I can do with my head. You know, nobody cares. I can just walk around my mother's house without my uh, hat on. And, uh, you know, again, we went to the diner by her house. I get so happy. She goes, why? You get so happy here. You get so happy. I'm like, I love this is a Jersey diner. This is the way diners are supposed to be. The diners in my neighborhood stink. And then I had nothing to do because I couldn't go see anybody or anything. So I went food shopping, right? And I like going food shopping in Jersey. But it's hard to get it back, the groceries, back to my house. But I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go to the supermarket. I'm going to go down every aisle. There's one big shop right I like to go to in Jersey. Take my time. I'm in no rush. I'm going to go down every aisle and just buy whatever I need. I'm even going to get frozen stuff. I'm going to say, fuck it. I'm going to take a chance in my car. I'm going to bring it back, and I'm going to put it in my car, and then maybe park my car or put it back in there. I mean, I'm just going to take my time and do whatever I got to do. Unfortunately, I got a place right in front of my apartment. Couldn't believe it, and it was good. So I got all this stuff, and I got frozen uh, Tyson's like um, buffalo chicken bites, 
and the honey barbecued uh, bites, uh, the frozen ones, and I ate them. I think the buffalo ones gave me heartburn, but today I had the honey barbecue ones, and they were delicious. You know, they don't have very good frozen food sections here in Manhattan, so when you go out to Jersey, man, they got so much stuff. Oh, man, I could have gotten so much stuff and just stocked up forever, but it's like, you know, I got to carry all this stuff. I mean, even just bringing it into, oh, it's such a pain in the ass. It's so time-consuming. You just can't stock up. I mean, I know they deliver stuff here, but they still don't have the good Jersey stuff. I bought the uh, those circus peanuts I like. They have the uh, 4C iced tea uh, fl- uh, flavor enhancers that I like that you can't get anywhere else. Um, the, they have a, a whole different selection of potato chips. You know, uh, I was able to buy, like, you know, pens and notebooks there. This is stuff they just don't sell in Manhattan. It's like a all one-stop store. I mean, I have my list here. I think it cost me $150. Totally worth it. So I've been eating. I got I got pistachio nuts, like real normal people pistachio nuts. They just serve such weird stuff here in these horrible Manhattan stores. It's just awful. But yeah, I took a chance on bringing all the frozen food home, and I think it stayed. I just didn't bring ice cream because I'm like, well, that's too risky. But next time I should just go there and get you know like a. a, a just next time I'm just gonna get um a thing of ice. I'll just get a thing of ice. What does that cost? A dollar? You know, like a, like like you get for the tailgate. And I have like a container in the back, and I'll just put it in there. I don't know why I never thought about that. I can just set it up with ice and put the frozen stuff in there, and then I can probably do whatever I want the rest of the day. And then maybe I can just have regular people's food here, you know? I'm hoping to just buy food that I'm not going to waste, but, you know, I'm, not, I'm trying not to buy SpaghettiO stuff because I know that's ridiculously fattening. But, you know, I bought some macaroni and cheese and stuff, stuff I can make at home. But I'm also trying to not eat horribly fattening, but I am eating fattening because I'm fat and I'm gross and I'm on steroids and I'm just going to keep eating and that's the way it is. And there's nothing you can do about that. All right, here are the last two things I want to talk about today. Now, this is you're going to like this a lot. Now, if you love this show, The Nightfly, then you are going to love what I found for you yesterday as I was watching TV. Now, what have I been doing since I got my hair done? Nothing. Watching TV. So I watched Match Game. All day yesterday, all day. Uh, the question is, I can't. I don't remember whether it was match game seventy five or seventy six. Doesn't really make a difference. I was watching the game, and I taped this directly off the TV. I saw it. I paused it. I said, "Let me get my phone and record this because I'll never be able to find this online." This is epic. So. If you know the way match game goes, the old match game with Gene Rayburn, first of all, it was classic because one of the ones. So after you win, you go for the second and third prize. The second prize, right? we've pulled the audience. There's a $100 answer, a $250 answer, and a $500 answer. And you ask one of the panel, you know, you always ask Richard Dawson, and then you ask Brett Summers, and he asks Charles Nelson Riley, right? Or, or he has Bill Daly, whoever the person is, right? And Or you could choose your own, and it's always something blank or blank something and you have to match and then you win and then of course there's the super five thousand dollar one where you just have one word and you get to pick one person and then you hopefully win or you match whatever everybody knows hopefully you all know how it's played and um so uh yesterday also i saw another episode where the match was gene blank and you know the host is named gene rayburn and so she asked Richard Dawson, and he goes, well, 
I will say Rayburn, <laughs> you know. And he's like, yeah, you better say Rayburn. <laughs> like, and then there was Gene Kelly and Gene Autry. That's what was said. And they went through the thing. And he's like squeezing that girl. And she goes, he goes, now I don't care which one you pick. And, and it's funny because he's like holding her like really tight, which I don't think you could do today. He goes, however, if you pick something other, than, it was like really funny because, uh, you know, it really would have been embarrassing if it wasn't Gene Rayburn. But the number one answer was Gene Rayburn. So anyway, that's another story. But this is awesome. Uh, let me just play it for now. Again, I taped it off the TV. All right. We get right to it now, Nancy. You could win a lot of money here. We polled a recent studio audience and we got their best response to this. Tina Blank. Now, the answer they gave most often is worth $500 if you match it. If you match the second most frequently given response, you get $250. The third gets you $100. Whom do you call on here? Okay. So it's Tina Blank. Now, here we are in 2020, the year 2020, and I'm sure all of you, including me, are saying this is 1975-76, the answer would still be, 40 years later, Tina Turner. That's the one you would think of right away. One would think, right? Even in the 70s, no? Tina Turner and 2020. But that's the first answer you get. Uh, Richard? Tina Louise. Tina Louise, right. Oh, right. Uh, Clifton? Clifton. Two good answers. Give us your best shot. Uh, That's uh, nice. Which one? Now, this is Clifton Davis, and I'll tell you more about him later. That's awesome. That one? Or that one? Uh, okay. Tina Sinatra. Tina Sinatra, okay. Tina Sinatra? I never would have saw that coming. Another one, Have you got one, Brett? Tina Turner. <laughs> Tina Turner. They're laughing because that's the other one that Clifton Davis was going to say, and Brett Summers told him to say Tina Sinatra, and then she stole the Tina Turner one. Obviously, Tina Turner. So it wasn't crazy. Tina Turner was around in the 70s, and that's what she's saying. <laughs> All right, you can have one of those. Well, Sinatra, Turner, Turner, or Louise. Uh, Turner. Tina Turner is what she said. That's what we want. Let's find out if it's up there under the $100 so the lady says it's going to be Tina Turner. She thinks it's going to be the $500 one. So we're not all crazy. 40 years later, 40 years later, 1975-76, Tina Turner, she feels, will be the top one. Response. Yeah. <laughs> Tina Sinatra's up there. All right. Which is unbelievable. Tina Sinatra. Nobody would ever think about that today. I don't even know where I'd come up with the third. Tina Fey. I guess would probably be the number one answer today. Tina Turner, you rascal lady. Are you one of the $250 number? Okay, well, you got the 250. That means you're going to play for 10. Can you believe that? Tina Louise, Ginger from Gilligan's Island, was the number one answer. Tina Blank in 1975-76. It does make a lot of sense, but it's also ridiculous because no one would say, except me and you guys, if we were playing match game, we'd say Tina Louise. But if somebody was, uh, if Olga was playing, uh, she would say, what? Everyone would say Tina Fey. We wouldn't, Tina Louise. And we'd probably be better off saying Tina Sinatra. And who the hell is Tina Sinatra? I know Nancy Sinatra. I don't even ever heard of Tina Sinatra. 
So that was funny too. But uh, so Clifton Davis, so Clifton Davis was the guy. I'm like, who the hell was Clifton Davis? Well, Clifton Davis was. Uh, oh, how could we forget? Welcome to Oscar's Barbershop, named after my daddy who passed it on to me. It's been a part of Washington, D.C. a long time. This is me, Clifton Curtis, my own boss and loving every minute of it. And this is my little sister, Tracy, and her husband, Leonard. This is my best friend, happy-go-lucky Earl. And this wonderful person, well, that's my mama. That's my mama. <laughs> and how do we know the show That's My Mama? I got a special treat for you this evening. A young man that you all know is Joe the Policeman from the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama. I want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Big round of applause for Jackson Heights' own Mr. Randy. Watson, yes, Randy Watson. <laughs> that boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. And Reverend Brown, two years for the Reverend. This man's been my Reverend since I was a little boy, and I love him dearly. He's a very special man, Reverend Brown. Reverend Brown. It feels so lovely to be here tonight. What a beautiful lot. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're so lovely. Everyone's so lovely. And um. While you're in the clapping mood, I'd like to give a big round of applause to my band, Sexual Chocolate. Sexual Chocolate. They play so fine, don't you agree? I believe the children are our future. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense Make it easier. Some of the good stuff, right? Coming up. Want a Coke? Join the show? <laughs> Enjoy, young man. I decided long ago Never to walk in in one shadow If I fail, if I succeed You can't take away my dignity Because the great ass oh my god he's so fucking brilliant i can't i mean you know randy watson's making that comeback and coming to america too i can't wait it's gonna be unbelievable now meanwhile so from the what's going down episode of that's my mama now i remember that's my mama when i was a kid uh, the TV show, and then it was. I remember it being really funny that they used it in Coming to America ten years later, saying from the "What's Going Down" episode of "That's My Mama." Now, here's what I have looked up. This is weird. There is no such episode of the "What's Going Down" episode of "What's My uh, That's My Mama." There is no Joe the Policeman. It's made up. However, there is a guy for Black History Month. That explains the episode of the What's Going Down episode, but I think he's mistaken because there is no What's Going Down episode. In the episode he describes, he says, Wallace Shawn comes in and says, some black guys robbed me and said, what's going down before they hit me? And then said something like that, and it turns into this whole thing. But that 
That isn't a true story. It, it, it's weird. So there's a, I thought maybe there was an actual Randy Watson and that there was a Joe the Policeman. And I really looked up the stuff, but there is no actual episode of the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama. It is made up. But I would give anything in Coming to America 2 if they put together uh, That's My Mama of uh, the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama. That uh, <laughs> would make a lot of people very happy, I would think. And, of course, uh, you probably remember this clip from uh, Family Guy. Gentlemen, I propose we send a message to tobacco companies everywhere by finding the El Dorado Cigarette Company Infinity Billion Dollars. That's the spirit, Frank. But I think a real number might be more effective. All in favor of finding this evil tobacco giant $100 million, say aye. Aye. But that'll bankrupt us. Oh, you mean the way you've morally bankrupted America? Thanks for that singer, boys. Now, give me a snappy line to go out on. Actually, our lunch is here. Uh. Well, that's my mama. <laughs> See? People have been using it for years. <laughs> that's my mama. <laughs> a show that no one knows except me, Seth MacFarlane, and uh, Eddie Murphy. So, in <laughs> good company, I guess. I liked all those shows, What's Happening, That's My Mama, all those shows um, in the 70s. They enjoyed all those, I guess, black shows, Jefferson's, stuff like that, Different Strokes. Well, that doesn't technically count, but they were also funny. And, uh, again, for me, you know, like we were talking about the Little Rascals where Bill Cosby was was wrong and saying they were racist – to me, they were always like, well, look, see, um, these are black people I can understand and they can have white friends and we can all get along. And yet, I guess some people found it different. To me, it all, especially the Little Rascals in general, said, well, what's the difference if you're friends with black? It doesn't matter. We, those cast members in the Little Rascals who were black, well, nobody cared. Nobody referred to them as black. Yeah, I guess there were a couple of racial things because what are you going to do? But um, yeah, they were just, everybody was playing together the way it was supposed to be. That's what it taught me. But then Bill Cosby changed it all. I'm like, oh, I guess I've been looking at it the wrong way. I guess we should think of black people as different. And clearly um, now we know Bill Cosby is a, a raving lunatic. So now we can go back to saying I was right. It's okay. Uh, whatever. I'm so ridiculously confused. Um, here's something interesting though about this Clifton Davis. Right? So, so I'm watching this match game. I'm like, I don't know who the hell is Clifton Davis. I looked this guy up. Not only was he on the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama, <laughs> he was also in Amen. So he was in a lot of those uh, shows back in the day, even though that was ten years later. But he wrote this. He wrote this.
You know, just let that play a little bit because it's like you, sometimes we forget, as we will, even the, the further the future goes, how unbelievable Michael Jackson was. The soul in an 11-year-old's voice like that, I mean, that may never happen again. It's unbelievable. You, we forget, and you're just sitting there going like, God, he's so great, he's so great, why does he have to suck so much? Why do our, our the, the only black idols that white people were completely down with, Bill Cosby and Michael Jackson, have to end up sucking so much? The ones that, that broke the barriers turned out to be the creepiest of all. He's amazing. You, you, can't, you can't deny it. Guess you can't deny that Harvey Weinstein was a good producer as well, but... Uh, Yipes. Yeah, the jury's still out as we're talking about this. I mean, by the time this uh, comes out, who knows what's going to happen. I got to tell you, his defense team is pretty good. They're really saying, like, but then why would you say in text that I love you and I miss you and all that kind of stuff? It's all very confusing. Well, the, the, what I would like to know is, um, is there anyone he's snuffed, you know, or stiffed in, in so many words? Um, like it, these girls that he said, you know, if he, I mean, the raping aside, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, did he tell these girls, if you blow me, I'll get you this. Did he ever go back on the deal or did they actually get that stuff? Because then what's that really? Okay. Yeah. It's sleazy. But I mean, if you actually got in a movie because you blew somebody, I mean, at least he did what he promised. I'd like to know that part of the story. Did he ever renege on that offer? Cause that would be punishable uh, it's all creepy as hell but that is the way hollywood worked up until uh tomorrow apparently uh or whenever the uh, this jury comes out of the decision apparently two people are having some trouble but it is it certainly is confusing because then you have to know all these terms of you know how rapists or rapees keep in touch with their like a, the the it's very odd, you know, because they keep texting and they see them again. And, you know, I'm confused. I'm always like, well, why'd they go back a second time? It's something I guess I can't understand. But um, I don't know. The whole thing is quite complicated. But uh, it's not like it doesn't look like a complete sleaze bag. So whatever. He had a good run. There's a white person that uh, nobody really cares for anymore. And, uh, Oh, so that's the other thing that made me happy that uh, Michael Riedel said that Finding Neverland, which, as you know, I hate, but my niece loves and my sister and I and Dory got in a huge fight about it. I said how much it sucks. It's a horrible show. You guys stink for liking it. And he agreed 100 percent. And it was produced by Harvey Weinstein, which I told Dory the other day. And she goes, oh, I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, well, see, so you don't say you should listen to your Uncle David when he says something stinks because it stinks. And that means you don't know anything about theater. You're never going to make it as a dentist. On March 4th, that idiot that we hate, Nick Walenda and his stupid flying Walendas who almost killed his entire family in the last special they did, that idiot Nick Walenda is going to walk over a volcano in Niagara, in Nicaragua, on March 4th, I guess live, yeah, live, March 4th on ABC with The Bachelor's Chris Harrison. 
He's going to walk over the lava. You know how much I hate this guy, right? I hate this guy because when he's doing his stupid type, when he looks like an idiot, he's always like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's always Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for giving me this opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. That's what he does as he goes over. If you're a daredevil, like the greatest daredevil of all time, Evil Knievel, you don't thank Jesus. You, you, you act like a man. And, and you don't say a word. You just go over it and you just say, oh, you, maybe, you know, you make a couple like, oh, that was close. Um, or you just shout out, I love pussy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this guy is such an asshole. He's such an asshole. I love Jesus. Jeez, thank you, Jesus. You're thanking Jesus for you walking over a stupid volcano, you piece of shit, for fame and glory. You're thanking Jesus. Tell Jesus to help People who are being raped by Harvey Weinstein or the kids who were raped by Michael Jackson. That's how you get, get Jesus involved with that. I, I don't want Jesus to be helping you and, and stop. I don't want Jesus to help people winning football games. I'm really sick and tired of it. And I'm sure the people that like Jesus, that really do worship Jesus, who go to church every day because they like Jesus, aren't thanking Jesus because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Or that this guy can go over a volcano. You know what? I'm I'm going to pray to Jesus that he falls in that volcano. Because that is the only thing that makes sense in this world. Because where was Jesus when Kobe's... Even though I don't like Kobe Bryant, I didn't want him and his daughter to f- die that way. I mean, where was Jesus then? Where they, and they were just going to something good and pleasant and a, a, and a charity event. This guy's doing it for fame and glory. He's thinking he needs Jesus' help. What an asshole. Isn't that the exact example of somebody who's using Jesus in the wrong way? Shouldn't we put a stop to people like him and the stupid football players who thank Jesus because they just won a $300 million contract to play football? Is that who you thank Jesus for? Is that what Jesus is for? I know I'm a Jew, but I mean, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you. But no, seriously, I mean, it's like this is like... Every Catholic person or Christian person should be furious at this Nick Walenda for having Jesus help him go over this, something he doesn't have to do. You almost want him to fall in and be like, well, that's what Jesus wanted to happen. Jesus finally got the message. I'm going to put, I'm going to flick this guy into the goddamn lava, this fucking idiot. He's using my name in vain, which he is. Jesus has a lot on his plate. And he has a lot more going on than you, for some reason, walking over a thing of lava or the or the Grand Canyon for your fame and glory and to get money and to keep your family, you know, clothed. For, that you have, to, you can't thank Jesus for this. You just have to hope for the best. It's not Jesus's thing. Jesus has a lot more to do. He's got to, you know, worry about you know, so we can get out of war and. And just hope everybody's safe and not just being a daredevil, you fucking moron. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm saying Jesus Christ. I'm like, I'm praying to Jesus that this guy, almost harm comes to this guy because he's a fucking fool. And he makes everything that people like about Jesus seem petty and stupid. And that's why when, you know, the family guy does stuff with Jesus and they're like, hey, can you help me do this stuff? It's funny because there's people like this idiot, like Nick Walenda, who's using Jesus the wrong way. There's too much tragedy in the world that you, you know, you have to have a Jesus or a God or whoever you pray to because we need 
some sort of answer uh, of the unknown to know why it happens. But this 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 guy's doing it on purpose. It's not. I mean, if he was out there and he was being held by gunpoint, and he was like, "We're we're we're going to shoot you in the head if you don't make it to the other side of this volcano," then you can say, "Please help me, Jesus, get through this." I get that. But if you're doing it for a live television special, you know, with advertisements that's going to pay you a lot of money to do it, you're just a fucking asshole. You know how I feel about this guy. And every time he's got a special, I got to come out with my rant because that's what I do. That's my thing. That's my thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? All right. I think that's it for today, right? We, we, are we done? I think we're done. Yeah, well, look. We went for the, the normal time, actually. Uh, I'm surprised. My head's beginning to hurt, so it's perfect timing. I guess apparently I can keep the headphones on for exactly an hour and 20 minutes, which is the normal length of the podcast. All right. So next week, Larry from Three's Company, Richard Klein. Man, is he so cool. He's so great. I'm telling you, you're going to love the podcast. We talk for the normal time. I really think you're going to like it. I so much enjoy doing it with him. And then the week after, we will come back and we will talk again. And um, the next week, we'll have already... um, I'll have to tape a show previous, but uh, remember my show, March 9th at the Comedy Cellar, March 12th at the Westside Comedy Club. Please come to these shows. If you're around, they're always going to be entertaining no matter who's on the show because you know I know the best of the best. And, uh, you know, the only person that um, is the anomaly is me <laughs> because I, uh, I haven't come up with new material in over 25 years. But I'm hoping to change that soon. So that is the story for next week. Next week, uh, I think it's March 2nd, perhaps, uh, Richard Klein, uh, the 3rd, I, I don't know, whatever. And then the uh, Tuesday after that, you and I will be together again. And then we will figure out where the podcast goes. Then I know that I have a scheduled Evan Cutler from Live PD, one of the producers of Live PD. That should be very interesting. Uh, If you like that show, as I do, and as the Kansas City Chiefs apparently watch Live PD before their games every Saturday night. So um, that's an interesting guest. I'm also going to have Frank Santapadre on from Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. So lots to do, lots to talk about, lots of podcasting left to discuss. And we will see you next week on the podcast. Everybody, have a lovely rest of your February and a lovely March and just a wonderful week. I'll see you next time. It was great performing for you today. Good night, everybody. It feels good to be up above the clouds. It feels good for the first time in a long time.